0: All right, welcome to the first-of-its-kind, world-changing Manufacturers Network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the Manufacturers Network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa.
1: Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce you today to Jim Tinsher. Jim sees the world through the eyes of the customers. He is a nationally recognized customer experience expert and keynote speaker and the author of Do B2B Better? Drive growth through game-changing customer experience. Firm specializes in building loyalty in B2B organizations and work with multiple global manufacturing organizations. So Jim, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here.
1: Jim, share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you're doing.
0: Sure. Always been a customer guy. Been very interested in that. First job out of college, I worked for a high-resolution laser printer manufacturing organization. And uh, just my first summer, I was going to visit my girlfriend, now wife, out in Connecticut, and I wanted to visit a customer while I was there, just for whatever reason and part of it. And it's always been a customer focus. but. Over time, I recognized that most in that field of customer experience, where I gravitated towards, didn't actually connect to the business. And that was my case once. I worked with an organization, a to c organization, and was all about the customer and noticed that my internal colleagues were not resonating with them because I only talked about customers. I never connected it to the business. And since that time, 12 years ago, I've really been focused on making that connection to how helping improve the customer experience creates a stronger business. And I'm especially intrigued with B2B, which is far more complex and rich than B2C, but nobody ever writes about it. They all write about Amazon. They write about Best Buy, where I spent some time. They don't talk about how, in a manufacturing environment, Creating a better customer experience really does create a healthier organization. And that's my passion and my mission is to make that connection. And
1: that's one of the things, too, when we look at engaging employees that the more engaged your employees are, the better they take care of your customers. So the better customer service you have, which means the better business that you have, which means that the employees feel more connected to the organization. So it's this really nice cycle that again, in manufacturing, because so many times they're just making products that they don't see that end result. They're not as focused as the customer experience But it looks like according to what you're saying in your brand new baby book, congratulations. Thank you. But that is a huge part of the picture. I know that in your book, we were talking a little bit before the show about your four items and also that you had a pretty unique experience with Dow Chemical. So why don't we start with Dow since there's probably nobody on the planet that has not heard of them. You can share share that story.
0: You bet. Well, first I should say that our research shows that the vast majority of manufacturing programs have a customer experience program and don't actually know whether that's making a stronger business. When done, your customer experience program should be creating an environment where customers want to buy more from you. They want to stay with you longer. They want to operate ways that are less expensive for them and for you, but very few programs can actually make that connection but Dow is an outlier in a very positive way. And I first met the Dow team about four and a half years ago and we were working on their complaints journey. And had the opportunity to meet Dan Futter, who is now their chief commercial officer. At that point, he was the VP of CX. And we were working again on the complaints journey. And when I first met him, he said, Jim, my goal is to create a complaints journey that's enjoyable.
1: That sounds like an oxymoron.
0: (laughs) Right. That caught me by surprise. (laughs) They measure effectiveness, ease, and enjoyability. They don't measure net promoter score because for them, they've proven net promoter score does not link to any business outcomes. And that's what they care about. They don't care about somebody moving their mouse a little bit to the right on a survey. They care about, do they create an environment where customers want to work with Dow more? that when there's a discretionary purchase that any of their suppliers can give, they want to go to Dow first. And that's the outcome they're driving towards, not in that promoter score, behaviors. They care about behaviors. And so what they have found is that when customers say it's enjoyable to work with Dow, then their order velocity goes up. The categories in which they order go up and, The real interest of Dow, their number one outcome is joint innovation. That a customer says, I trust Dow enough that I want to work with you to create new to the world products. And we'll both benefit from that. But that only happens if they find it's enjoyable to work with Dow.
1: Right. Well, and you look at that too, that when business is going smoothly, of course we love the business, but most. Business loyalty happens when a mistake has been made and it's up to that company to solve it. When, the, when that company takes action based on whoever messed up through that complaint process, that can completely turn that around and create that customer for life because they know that, for example, in this case, Dow has their back. So talk about that complaints journey. What did it look like before, maybe? And how did they make it enjoyable, for goodness
0: sake? Sure. And they started out in the same situation probably many of your listeners are in. A complaint comes in and it bounces around the organization. It's very easy to convince yourself that this is somebody else's problem and transfer it across the organization. We see that in all kinds of organizations, not just manufacturing, but certainly in multiple manufacturing clients of ours. There's very little incentive to take ownership of an issue and solve it. And certainly a Sev1 issue, nobody really wants that on their plate. It's very easy to convince yourself that belongs somewhere else and that's what the situation they found themselves in where it comes in through maybe customer service goes over to the sales team or account management from there it goes to R&D goes to manufacturing bounces all around with nobody taking ownership of it mm. and that is true that's not a Dow problem that's true of all of our manufacturing clients and what they said is that's not acceptable and we worked with them to interview their clients to talk about the impact when a complaint is not resolved, how that impacts the organization, how that impacts the individual. And we brought that to Dow. Actually, with Dow, they had us bring that to their senior leadership, showing how that impacts them. Now, they matched, we brought in videos of their clients talking about the good and the bad of working with Dow, as well as they brought the data. Ricardo Porta is now their head of customer experience, and he brought in all kinds of data to show not just what people said, but their behaviors and how that impacted Dow as well, which then what we did is we worked across the regions. We went to Shanghai. We went to Tunisian, the Netherlands. We went to Brazil, Rio, as well as the headquarters of Midland to bring in the employees to talk about how this impacts their jobs as well. And to get the employees ideas of how we could make this an enjoyable experience without investing new roles. Very easy to say, let's bring another 50 person department, they'll solve it. Dow was clear. We need to do this with existing headcount. How can we do that? And what they said is that what we'll do is we will carve a group out of customer service and other groups. We'll create a center of excellence for complaints. And we will work and give this group accountability to resolve complaints as fast as possible. And they, as a result, they piloted in Latin America, actually Ricardo was the one who led that pilot. And they were able to see that complaints were handled in a much more efficient method, which clients loved and led to greater, stronger business outcomes, not just for Dow, but also for their clients. And created this, just this positive flywheel of success that when Dow invests in this, they invest in a better complaints journey, they saw that the KPIs got better. Time to resolve, for example. They saw enjoyability get better. The customers became more engaged. And then they saw behaviors improve like, for example, future orders, order velocity, order categories, which then made Dow a stronger company. This wonderful flywheel where investing customer experience truly does result in a stronger company. And that's the magic about Dow is they actually proved it. They didn't just say, we think we invest, everything will be better. They proved it to help their executives reinforce that importance of the investment.
1: Well, and I look at that again, going back to the employee standpoint, that it was probably in a lot of places complaints bounce around because nobody feels that they have the authority or right. the uh, they're not empowered to take care of it and they don't number one they don't care or they think they're going to get in trouble or they're going to have to jump through a lot of hoops you said several things you're empowering your employees that makes them feel more connected more married to the results i just learned about the ikea effect which it basically that people are more connected to things that they've had a chance in building So when you have that employee experience and you take away that blame, that safety, you're creating a safe environment. And then these employees get to work for what's called a center of excellence. Yeah, I'd want to work for that too. So you're creating such a win-win in such an easy way to do that.
0: One of the other keys that they did is they didn't make this a headquarters initiative. Uh, many of our clients, so we're talking with one client of ours who 20% of business happens in the U.S., but U.S. is where they're headquartered. And so all the ideas are focused on the U.S. first, even though that's a smaller organization. Again, this is not Dow, this is another group. What Dow did is very deliberate, saying we're going to involve all four of our regions. We're going to interview clients in all four regions. And so we sent our team again, a second time, out to China, out to Rio, to involve the customers, to talk to them, to understand what their experience is. And then the customers, because one of the things that Dell also did that was really effective, is they went back to those customers and said, thank you for giving us your feedback. This is what we're going to do about it. So many programs forget to do Uh, that. Yeah. And Dan is, so Dan, the chief commercial officer, very articulate. He was, went back to it. So he recorded a video sharing, here's what we're going to do differently. But also they had their sales team deliberately reach out to everybody who participated saying, thank you again for being part of this. Here is what we're doing. Closing the loop with clients, which again, makes them stronger advocates because that's more enjoyable. You get that feedback that we're your partner yep. and that, Sense of being a partner is a key part of enjoyability. Dow is not just a vendor. Dow is there to help my business be stronger. That feeling is a key part of enjoyability.
1: And it also you think about that immediate feedback and closing the loop. That also sounds like when you're doing employee engagement surveys that you want to make sure that you're getting back to the employees. Hey, this is what you wanted. This is what we did. And then employees, uh, next time you reach out to them, they're not going to say that was a waste of breath last time. It's holy cow, they're actually doing stuff. So just getting back to the customer, letting them know that, hey, what I shared made a difference and again, building that bond. So I know that we've spent quite a bit of time on number two, which is that emotional North Star in the complaints journey journey. So let's go back to your other three steps that you talk about in your book. The first one of tying the customer experience to business outcomes.
0: Yeah, that's so important and so rarely done that most programs, our research is very clear. Most programs say, oh, we should do customer experience. They create a group over on the side somewhere. We should probably do net promoter scores. So let's go do that. Okay, now go do your survey work. Let us know what's happening. That's where most end where they if they do any analysis past that they'll say okay last year our detractors those who give a low score they churned at 7% versus our promoters those who give a high score churned at 2% it's interesting many manufacturers by the way don't have a churn issue it's more about share of wallet but that's hard to measure and so most customer experience programs don't even try and they will you look at with, attrition with can you define share of wallet what do you yeah. mean by that that's a great point so share of wallet is in a category in which th- that they operate of all the dollars spent in that category how much goes towards us so LeGrand is another manufacturer and i spent some time over the last eight years we've done a number of programs with them one of which we measured we asked customers who are your top two providers in this space? We worked with the AV division. Uh, who are your top two providers and how much do you spend with each to get a sense of how much of their discretionary, how much of their spending is with LaGrand. And we found for them that confidence in LaGrand was a great predictor of that. So we're connecting the customer experience to outcomes, to how much are you spending with us versus our competitors. Mm. Very few programs do that. They have this belief that by improving the survey scores, net promoter score, probably better behaviors happen. But that probably isn't very compelling. We met with a $2 billion manufacturing the CEO of it, a month ago. And we shared one slide that talks about how we measure the customer experience, which is four categories. Yes, we have sentiment transactional surveys and uh, promoter scores, what they use. And that is part of it. But we also talked about behaviors. For example, how many complaints are opened? How do customers order? Do they order digitally? Which many manufacturers want to drive. Do they order instead the old fashioned way? How often are they ordering within lead time windows? Because again, if we have a better experience, they're more likely to come to us earlier, which means they're outside of the lead time windows, which we want, or before the lead time windows. Then we look at operations. What is the, um, what, what is the on-time delivery? What is the perfect order or Dow uses get it right? What is, how often are we getting the orders perfectly? On-time, product, no issues. And then, so we, and the fourth category then is financial. Are we getting a higher share of wallet is actually hard to measure because it's hard to know how much your customers are spending with your competitors. A good proxy of that is how many of how many categories of products are they ordering from us? There are for many of our manufacturing clients, they have specific products that they're the only ones who can offer. And that's not where the competition is. There are also a number of categories of products that their competitors also offer. That's the battleground. By doing a great job on the unique products, do you earn the right for those more discretionary orders? And so the financial is another key part of that. Order velocity is another part of that, but bringing in those financial metrics. So we measure the customer experience through a combination of, yes, sentiment, but behaviors are a key part. Maybe 10% of your customers respond to your survey, but what percentage of your customers have behaviors? All of them. And so you can, so Univar is a distributor. They work with Dow and other BASF, others of our clients and outside. They're a distributor of chemicals. And they looked at it and said 90% of our customers aren't filling out surveys. Can right. we predict those who are happy and unhappy based on their behaviors? And they look at the operational behavioral data and they say, this client looks like they're unhappy. Now, I haven't failed a survey, I haven't told us that, but based on what we're seeing in maybe order velocity dropping or more complaints open, they look unhappy. Hey, account management team, can you reach out to them to see if that's true and what's happening? They create a synthetic NPS because for them, they know NPS matters. And they're able to use the data to do that. So coming back to, again, we measure behaviors, we measure the operations or impact, and we measure the financial outcomes. That's how you measure customer experience. Sentiment is not a score. It is a diagnostic to help explain Mm -hmm. things. We have a conference, it'll be over by the time this comes out, where Ricardo is going to speak about how he was asked a question. And let me bring the actual question right here. How do I see the impact of inventory on my business? And how does customer experience help me explain that impact? Most CX programs would say, I don't know. But he went and did the math to show that when inventory drops for a certain threshold, customers have no confidence, therefore they order less often because they'll order from somewhere else that has enough inventory that they are confident they won't have issues. And he's able to draw that connection between the inventory levels and future EBIT. Okay. Amazing which actually, not sounds, to do that.
1: Yeah, which sounds like you have moved nicely into the third action of bringing the de- the business data into the analysis where you're dealing with your inventory levels and customer confidence. So for those of you keeping notes, the first one, we were talking about tying customer experience to business outcomes, uh, creating an emotional North Star, which is the enjoyable journey, and then bringing the business data into the analysis. So tell us a little bit more about that before we
0: move to the fourth step. You bet. And that's where, that's how you should be measuring the customer experience is based on, so if I had to wrap up, the difference between what we call a hopeful organization. They might be doing good work, they're doing customer experience work, but they're not connected to the business versus a change maker who is driving an improved business through customer experience. And again, that's less than one out of four. If I were to sum it up in one sentence, it would be that hopefuls report on sentiment. This is how people feel. Change makers study and change behaviors. And that's all in the data, both the, the manufacturer's behaviors as represented in operational data, as well as in the customer's behavior as such things as future orders, order velocity, complaints that are ordered, Bring those together. For example, if you look at your own business, speaking to the listeners there, I suspect there is a direct link between complaints and future orders. There is some threshold between either number of complaints or the length of the complaint where customers change their behavior. There's a SEV-1 issue open past a certain length of time, and that will vary by industry and manufacturing. Let's say it's a month. If the complaint is open for more than a month, future behaviors change to order from you less often. If you can look at that data and find that linkage, The survey is only there to help explain why it happens, but the key thing is linking behaviors together and using that data. What we find is that we're a Qualtrics partner. Qualtrics is a survey platform, pretty popular. Did not plan this, but we found that every one of our change makers is a Qualtrics partner. The top ones we look at, including Dow, uh, but we found that also a lot of hopeful organizations, those who are not having impact are also Qualtrics customers. The key difference is not just what platform you have, but did they bring in all this data and analyze it and look at surveys as just another piece of data? Surveys are not better or worse than operational and behavioral data. It's just another source of data that change makers look at to get a really good understanding of what's truly happening in the journey.
1: Well, and I think what happens a lot of times, and you alluded to that, is that there are business leaders out there that think by bringing in a high-priced consultant and getting the data, their job is done. It's okay, we did the study, we did the survey, put that in a file and let's just go right back to the way that we've always done business. But hey, we have this data. So you're really taking it the next step in that you're looking for the actual change of behavior, which nobody likes. And it also leads us nicely- It does. Your first, your last step, or last action, which is deliberate change management. And I joke around in my programs that nobody likes change. Even a baby with a dirty diaper does not enjoy the process of change. Nobody likes it. But if anything's going to move forward in business, we have to put the people in charge of the project that have the empowerment, that have the accountability, that have the resources and tools to make the changes, to well, to get the buy-in to make the changes for that long-term commitment. And I know, again, we talked about the fact that manufacturing doesn't always see the connection between the employees and the customers in that change process. So how do we get that?
0: And that's the whole point. You can do all that. You can connect it to business value. You can create a Motion North Star. You can analyze the business data along with the sentiment data. But if you don't bring it home, and help the organization understand why it matters and what they need to do differently, nothing else matters. Now, when I talk to most programs, we interviewed over, we did over 200 hours of interviews. And we talked to most programs and they would say, oh, change management, so important. Say, great, what are you doing? Oh, we're working on change management. Oh yeah, so what are you doing? Wow, we are managing change. Change. Okay, got it, so there's no there there. And that's where most credit programs are. They recognize the importance of change management but it's hard. Yep. I actually spent a whole morning yesterday working with a group just to think about how we do change management for customer experience, a half day workshop on just that one aspect because it's so important. And I mentioned Ricardo Porta is now in charge of the customer experience. In the book, um, at that time, Jen Zamora was in charge of it. And she's now been promoted to a global change management role at Dow. Yeah, but one of her key sayings is working with middle managers, a better customer experience will make it more e- will make it easier for you to accomplish your goals. Customer experience is not the be-all end-all. It is not the end. The end for a middle manager is: am I accomplishing my KPIs? Mm-hmm. Inventory turn, for example, or more future orders. And what Dow does really well, as well as I'll talk for, uh, I mentioned Legrand earlier, they're even better at it. I don't know if they're better at it. They're both really good. Is they tie in saying, what are your KPIs? What are you trying to accomplish? And they draw a direct line showing how a better customer experience helps to solve your problems. As we said earlier from that leader who said, how do I see the impact inventory to my business? And how does customer experience explain that? Dow is able to show how, an improved customer experience leads to future increases in EBIT. Now, I recognize that's the action number one, tied there, but by connecting the dots and then saying, this is what we need you to do to create a better experience so you see that future EBIT and all bringing it together. Now, in fact, I'm not sure if they still do, but when I interviewed them when it, for this book, they had three people full-time on change management in their mm-hmm. customer experience group. Because if you don't do change management, then all your communication is just talking. But if you take the time to understand, here is the new behavior we need, and here is why you should do that, that is connecting that why and creating the desire in the middle manager, for example, to behave differently. If you don't give them the desire to do things differently, then they won't do things differently. They will give you a nice, nice nod. Say, oh yeah, that is really important. I keep doing the work and doing customer experience. I appreciate that. Now let me go back and do the real business here. Right. And it needs to connect it to them and show how customer experience is real business because it creates real business outcomes. And so these four actions are actually not independent. They're all highly related with each other. You can't do the change management if you haven't connected to business value. When you bring in the emotions, you can actually see how the flywheel accelerates, and you can't see that acceleration unless you bring in the business data to show the changes in behavior. So they're
1: all highly... Exactly. Jim, as we start to get to the end of our time together, if somebody does want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? And of
0: course, where can they find your book? Excellent. So I'm at heartofthecustomer.com, Jim at heartofthecustomer.com. Very active on LinkedIn, connect with me there. Be happy to talk further. And the book is available. You buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Booksmart, different places to get it. Again, do B2B better, drive growth through a game-changing customer experience. And uh, I'd love to engage with people as they read the book, get their feedback. There's so many case studies that if I took out the case studies, it would basically be the length of Good Night Moon. (laughs) <laughs> because it's all about what real people are doing. It's not some thought leader's ideas. I bring in what the real organizations are doing and feature them. And people like Dan, Jen, and Ricardo at Dow, Lori and her team at LaGrande, those are the ones who inspire me. And I hope they'll inspire uh, your listeners with the real work they're doing to connect customer experience to growth.
1: Awesome. Jim, thank you again so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks a lot. I really appreciate being here.
1: I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturer's Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturer's Network Podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate
0: you.